What's up, guys? This is Eric from Piedmont Church Kingdom Men Podcast. We've got another great episode for you this week. The message you're going to hear is from our pastor, Nate Galloway, at Piedmont Church. He talked with us at our kickoff about the things that we struggle with as men and what we can do to overcome them. I was personally very challenged by this message, and I hope you'll be encouraged and challenged as well. I have all of those feelings. Maybe you have those feelings too. But if I'm being really honest, in the mix of those feelings, I also feel a lot like Paul in Romans chapter 7 where he says, man, (laughs) the things that I don't want to do, I'm doing those things. And the things that I want to do, I'm not doing those things. And I just feel the, the battle of that, the struggle of that. And so I'm listening to Jeff and I'm like, yes, yes, amen. I want to be that kind of man. I want to wake up and the devil go, oh crap, you know? I mean, I want to do that. But I just know, I feel a lot of times that maybe I'm not measuring up or there's a struggle with that. There's a battle with that for me. There's something standing in my way or something holding me back from that. It's not because I don't want to. It's just there's things that I'm struggling or battling to become that. And maybe I'm not the only one who feels that way. But the great news is, is when Paul gets done going through all of that, at the end of that kind of war, internal war and battle and struggle he describes, at the end he says, but who will save me from this body of death? And then he proclaims, I thank the Lord, Jesus Christ will. Jesus will. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're going to talk about just a few maybe things that we struggle with, a few things that hold us back. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the solution to all of them. Jesus gives us the power to overcome these things, to win the war, to find victory in the battle, to overcome, to get past. Jesus is the solution, guys. He is the power that we need to become all that he has created us and saved us to be. So we're going to talk about the struggles Talk about the things that hold us back. But I'm going to give you the answer to the problem. It's Jesus. It is Jesus. So the first thing, and it just came up in some of our discussions. Eric just mentioned it. Some of you guys mentioned it. I think one of the top things that hold us back that I struggle with is is that pride. Is that, that attitude, that mindset of I don't need anyone or anything. And we, and we feel like that's a manly thing, right? To, to bang our chest and say, I've got this and I can do this. And to, and to ask for help, right? Seems like a sign of weakness for many of us. But here's the problem with pride and saying, I don't need anyone or anything. That means I don't need you and I don't even need God. Here's the problem with that. God don't work with pride. God don't help pride. Matter of fact, the scripture says that God resists it and even stands against it. I got enough struggles in my life. I don't need God standing against me. All right, I'm just being like, the devil's doing a great enough job. Life is doing a great enough job coming at me that I don't need God himself saying, I'm not helping you. <laughs> but that's what pride does. This is why he says in James chapter four, verse six, but God gives more grace So therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So maybe the first step is saying, Jesus, I need you. 
And as we've already kind of hit it at, we also need each other. Pride is standing in the way. You want to be a godly man, a godly husband, a godly father, probably just like me. But our pride is standing in the way. But in Jesus, we can overcome that. And we can find the power and the grace we need to actually change and become those things. It's what we were created for. It's what he saved us for. But here's another one. There's pride. There's also fear. It's an it's a insecurity that we don't want to talk about and we don't want to admit. So maybe I'll just admit it for us, right? But it's this fear that I don't have what it takes or that I don't measure up or that I will be found lacking as a husband, as a father, as a man. Like the thought, right, is not the thought of of being a failure one of the worst things for us. And we are terrified of it and afraid of it. And I think many times it keeps us from even trying, from even, even taking the steps sometimes, to, even, to admitting that we need help. To, to admit we need help me, might mean that we're, we're not able to do it on our own. And we're afraid to let someone know that. Like we don't have it all figured out, that we don't have it all together, that we're gonna be exposed. But the good news is if we're humble enough to say, Jesus, I need you, right? Humble enough with each other that, to realize we need each other, Jesus will help us overcome that fear and that insecurity. Matter of fact, we'll find out who we are, not in our accomplishments, not in the things that we can brag about, not in our bank accounts, but we'll find our identity in who we are in Jesus. And that changes everything. And this is why he even reminds us when he puts his Holy Spirit in us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul, speaking to a young man, by the way, a mentor of his, reminds him of this. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And when I'm filled with fear, here's what I know. That's not Jesus, and that's not from God. And that everything that you and me need to be who God's called us to be, we find it in Jesus. And he reminds us, I've given you a spirit, not of fear, not to be afraid, but of power, of love and a sound mind. That's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. But some of us are just afraid and it is holding us back. But through Jesus, we can overcome that fear, that we don't have to be afraid, that we, that we can just rest in who we are in him and realize that and discover that as men, as husbands, as fathers. Because here's the truth. I don't have what it takes to be those things. I don't. On my own, I cannot love my wife the way I should. I've tried. I am not good at it. And to be the father to my four boys and the strength and the energy and the wisdom and the love and the, and the patience that that takes, I, I don't have those things on my own. But through Jesus, through Jesus I can and I do. 
So our pride gets in the way. Our fear, our insecurity gets in the way. I think another thing that gets in the way, and this might be the most Dr. Phil moment we have, right? If there's a big leather couch somewhere, it's for many of us, maybe not all of us, what I would call a non-example, that many of us don't have or, or maybe didn't have a godly example of a man or a husband or a father growing up or even now in our lives that many of us, if we're being honest, don't even know what it looks like. That we've not seen it lived out in our lives. Pastor Ike could speak to this in his experience so much more than me, but I can briefly tell you that any moment in ministry, any moment in teaching or a message or counseling, any, any moment where I've ever begun to talk about our relationship with our fathers, I watch people just break down. I watch it happen. I watch it happen one-on-one. -on -one. I watch it happen in the crowd. I watch it happen at tables. When we start talking about our relationship with our fathers and growing up, we begin to talk about the impact that it had on us, good or bad. I just watch people have it. And if there's struggles with that, it just stirs so many things up. And so, so many of us are struggling to be godly husbands, fathers, men, because maybe we don't know what it looks like that we would say, I, mean, I don't know if I had that example growing up or around me or what it looks like. But the scripture tells us, even, even the words of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew, he's kind of comparing, he's talking about our earthly fathers versus our heavenly father. And he, he says this in Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. He says, if you then who are evil are sinners are just human, he's talking about just human people. We're just normal human guys. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I'm just gonna be honest with you. I wanna say this in the most honest but, but respectful way that I can. My dad's still alive and I love him and I try my best to find, to make sure I'm honoring him and being respectful. But growing up was difficult. It was a hard home to grow up in. Very volatile a lot of walking around on eggshells. And I grew up in a Christian home. And my parents made sure that when the doors of the church were open, we were there my entire life. But there was a lot of times I didn't grow up with an example of here's how you treat your wife in a godly, Christian, Jesus-loving way. Or how to apart from taking your kids to church, what did it really look like to raise them in a godly way? And we talked about expectations and fear. But then come to find out, my dad grew up with a dad who didn't know how to live out a godly example. And my dad grew up with these struggles and this lack of an example and ruling with an iron fist and these things.
And sometimes my dad will say to me, and I have an older brother and a younger sister, he'll say to me, and we've somewhat, all three of us have turned out somewhat normal, <laughs> and would say we're you know, pretty well-rounded, good individuals. And when we use this phrase, he's used this phrase, oh, but by the grace of God. And I remember, especially in my teenage years, of maybe feeling like wanting that, but not having that, looking for that, looking for that in uh, student pastors, looking for that in coaches, right, and, and pastors. And, but, but ultimately, I'm telling you what, for me, it, it drove me to Jesus. It drove me to a heavenly father to find that. And so if you have that example in your life, praise God for it. Be so grateful for it. But maybe for a lot of us, that's lacking. But if it's lacking, we still have a heavenly father. We have a savior who is there for us, who loves us, who has a how much more for us to still change us, to still work on us, to still set the example for us. But for many of us, that's something that holds us back. That's something that's a struggle for us because we want to, we just don't know how or what it looks like. And we have a heavenly father who's just waiting to show us, to allow us to experience that, to help us to become that. So our pride, fear and insecurities, maybe a lack of examples or where to turn or where to look for it, and many times that lack of an example leads to this, this struggle. It's the wounds and the hurts that we carry. Now, once again, this is a unique environment to speak into as guys, right? Like if ladies in the room, you wouldn't even want us talking about this because then we'd have to admit that we're not Superman, right? And that things do bother us and things do hurt us and things do get us. We don't like to admit things like this, but the reality is many of us, pretty much all of us are carrying some type of wounds, are hurt from maybe that, from maybe the father figures or the lack of a father figure or whatever our home life or how we were raised or maybe a spouse or, or maybe people we work with or people we used to call friends, but all of us have been hurt and wounded it is a part of life. All right, table, we talked about some of those people who called themselves Christians, but then the things they did to us, to hurt us, to wound us, to betray us. We're not supposed to talk about those things, are we? We're supposed to lock them away and not admit that they bother us or that it even happened or that it's an issue. Like we're not supposed to talk about our feelings. We're not to talk. We're not supposed to talk about you know dredging up the past. Like the, I'm just, the thought of me sitting down with like a professional counselor who wants to unpack my baggage that terrifies me. Because I'm living my life in a way that that stuff's locked in a vault. I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to acknowledge it or admit it. And occasionally when one of those memories or thoughts creeps in and it hits, like it just hits me out of the blue and this memory comes flooding back that I hadn't thought about in years, it does something to me.
But if we don't deal with our, with our hurts and our wounds, it will hold us back. Those things, those things turn into bitterness and anger and resentment. Those, those things that are unforgiven. And you, I mean, you, we can't just ignore it and hope it's just gonna go away because it won't. We have to deal with it. Some of us have been in this place where you, you're so angry and that anger, you take it out on everyone in your life, those that are closest to you, that you're supposed to love the most and sometimes you don't even know where that anger's coming from. And it's not because you had a bad day at work. It's because there's a wound that you have not dealt with that is in another season of your life and it's rearing its head and it's keeping you from being the godly husband and father and man in your home or maybe even where you work and how you treat people because you're coming from a place of anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. And this is why he says to us in Ephesians chapter four, Paul challenging us, says in verse 31 to 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, but be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I know we don't want to talk about it and we don't want to think about it and we don't want to relive, relive it, but it is holding you back. It is keeping you and me from moving forward. And Jesus saying, you have to forgive. You have to give it to me. You have to let it go. You have to choose kindness and forgiveness because that is what Jesus has done for us. And there is, there is healing for it, whatever it is, but you can't ignore it. At some point, you have to deal with it. But this is a big battle for us, a struggle for us, a little too deep, deep waters for us. But to be those things that Jeff talked about, it's probably one of the biggest things that we have to address in our life. Maybe even a conversation that we have to have in our life. So this pride, this fear, this lack of example, this, these wounds, and just a couple more. Jeff mentioned this as he was sharing with us earlier, but he talked about this passiveness, right? It's this, many of us, have just given away or given up our God-given responsibilities and callings. We've given it to our spouses or our wives, right? We've given it to um, pastors and coaches and teachers or children's pastors, right? We've given this God-given thing, this responsibility, this calling, we have given it away to someone else. That someone else will take care of it, someone else will do it, someone else will tell my kids about Jesus, 
right? And we just, we just have freely given this away and are letting someone else do it or handle it for us when it's our, our God-given right and calling and responsibility. And as a man and as a husband and as a father, and this was a part of our discussion at our table, out of all the things and all the people I could say yes to throughout my day and my week, out of all the things I could give my energy and my time to throughout my week and my day, none of those things are those people, none of them compared to the responsibility and God-given calling I have towards my wife and my kids and my home first. First. So learning who and what to say no to so I can say yes to my wife and my kids and my family to make sure when I come home, or when I come home from a 10-day trip to Israel, which was life-changing, and I've been traveling, right, on a plane and for like 24 to 30 hours, and I walk through the door, and I am worn out, tired. I want to melt into the couch, but I walk through the door, and my wife is thrown up sick. My kids have been sick. My little kids don't care if they're sick. They want to climb all over me. My big kids are, hey, dad's home. My wife wants to tell me about the 10 days that I've missed, without me, and no matter how tired I am, I have a God-given responsibility in that moment to be present, to be aware, to let them crawl all over me, to talk my ear off, to catch whatever sickness they have, all of it, all of it, because God put that responsibility on me, and no one else can carry it. So we're not called to be passive, but many of us have just given that away for some reason. He says this in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God says, I, I have searched for a man among them who will build up the wall and stand in the gap for me that the land that I might not destroy it because I found no one. Even that moment through the prophet Isaiah when the land was in such disarray, God's like, I'm just looking for one man who rebuild the wall and stand in the gap. And he's like, I, I found no one. Like God is looking, God is calling. Will we stand? Will we stand in the gap? Will we say, here I am, send me? Will we embrace this kingdom man calling as men, as husbands, as fathers? So our pride, our stubbornness, our insecurity and fears, this lack maybe of an example the hurts and wounds and scars that we carry, this giving away our God-given calling and passiveness and responsibility. I think the last one is permission. 
I don't want to get on some rant about our current culture, but I at least will say this. It does seem that we live in a current time where being a real man is not popular. That there's phrases and terms like toxic masculinity thrown around. And so it seems counterculture, right, to stand up and say, be men of God, right? <laughs> when most of our culture is saying, we don't want you and we don't need you. A matter of fact, you're toxic and you're hurting us. And it definitely seems there's a lack of permission to be a man. <laughs> but not with Jesus and not with God. With God, there's been, there might not be people in your life asking for you to be the man, but God is. And he has been from day one. And he has given us permission to be these kind of men. Called us to it, created us for it, even saved us so we could become them. You look at the Genesis account, chapters one and two, in the middle of all the creation, when he finally gets around to creating you and me, the man, out of dirt and mud, but he breathed his life into us, his actual life, the breath of God in us. And even the beginning account, you see these things that God begins to say, subdue and have dominion and rule. And even institutes being a husband and eventually a father. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. He even takes the man and places him in a garden and puts him to work. Even ask him to name the animals. And there's this working and providing and this leading and this, this blessing of God on the man's life from the very beginning. God's permission in creation for us to be these kind of men, to carry these roles of husbands and fathers and pastors and priests and leaders within our homes, within culture, within society, with our children. And when chapter three comes, we see these struggles, we see the battle begin. We see the fear, we see the pride. We see the passiveness. We see the forgetting that God has called us to this. And this mess that we're all in, it's because there was a man who chose not to live out his God-given calling that God had placed on him. But we can all live out that calling now because there was another man who showed up to show us not only what God is like, but what a godly man looks like and everything we need to be that man he has died and risen from the grave to give us. And everything we need to be these men is found in him. The last thing I'll share as we move into our second round of discussion is this. 
I believe with all my heart the power to be these men, to be what we are created and saved to be is always found in Jesus. To overcome all of these struggles and these things that hold us back or that we fight with. He's the one that saves us from this body of death. But I believe you also see throughout the scriptures that God has not just given us himself. He's given us each other. He's given us one another. And I believe the encouragement that we need to live these things out is found in one another. Jeff mentioned this, but that, even that word encouragement, it literally means when you break it down, it literally means to impart courage to someone. So I'm, I'm literally walking around with courage itself. What you need to overcome, what you need to, to get it done, what you need to live it out. And it's like literally saying, here, here's the courage to do this. And as iron sharpens iron, we sharpen each other. And I just want to end with this statement from Solomon. He made in the book of Ecclesiastes. We, we maybe have heard it before, but it reminds us of our need, not just for Jesus, but God, but our need for each other because God made life that way, that we do need each other, that he wants to use us to challenge and pray and encourage and to speak truth and to, to impart courage to one another and to walk alongside one another, to battle with one another, alongside each other and for each other. And here's what he says to us in verse 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? In verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And here's the, the famous statement, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. There's strength in being together. There is courage in being together. There's accountability in being together. There's strength found in being together. So crucify your pride. Acknowledge your need for Jesus and acknowledge your need for the men sitting in this room and around these tables. And may God give us the courage from him and each other to live out these callings. And we're gonna struggle with it, but in him and with our relationship with each other, we can become these men. It is possible. It's not just some dream or some hype conversation or talk can be a reality for us. Let me pray for you guys. And we'll jump into the tables and maybe just talk through some of these things. <coughs> father, thank you. Thank you for being our father. And maybe even a father to the fatherless. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your calling. Just thank you for Jesus. And I just want to, in this moment, gather with some absolutely amazing men of God that we would look to you and that we would look to each other to become all that you created us and saved us to be that we would be encouragers, that we would be honest, that we would be warriors, 
and leaders and providers, and most importantly, that we would be an example of you, Jesus, to our spouses, to our kids, to our grandkids, and to everyone we come in contact with. Because in you and with the men around these tables in our lives, we can be these things. We can be this thing called a kingdom man. We love you. We are grateful for you. Help us to embrace our God-given calling and responsibility you've placed on our lives. And may we help each other to live that out. In Jesus' name, and all God's men said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Piedmont Kingdom Men Podcast. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode.